you need to be able to take a stand, extend your voice, be pointedly focused on what you offer and the vision that you have in order to impact the people that you say you want to impact. Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. Hello, friends, and welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. My guest today is Dr. Chris Johnson, and we're going to be talking about how to, quote, speak your value. This episode is an intentional follow-up to episode 21, where we focused on owning your value. So speaking your value is a key element of owning your value. There's a dynamic that can happen where we lose sight of the tangible value that we bring to our work. And really, this can happen anywhere in life. And when it does, we'll tend to show up smaller, which leads to being underappreciated and overlooked, and ultimately, it leads to less fulfillment in life. When we don't have the confidence about the value we bring, it's hard to advocate for ourselves. This means that we may not speak up in meetings to share important ideas or opinions, We may not pursue jobs with greater responsibility and impact, and negotiating for higher wages is nearly impossible. We see this quite a bit with women, especially women of color, but it's not a female-only dynamic. Chris and I have both worked with plenty of men who have found their confidence shaken in organizational settings as well. I was originally inspired by my conversation with Trudy Bourgeois in episode 19. In fact, I was so inspired that I created a guide on how to own your value. And I walked through that guide in episode 21. Of course, I'll link to both the guide and the episode in the show notes. Today, Chris and I are going to talk about a key element in owning your value, which is speaking your value. Chris has deep personal experience in working with her own power and learning how to show up with a clear, powerful voice. And one more thing, toward the end of the episode, let's say the last 10 or 12 minutes, Chris actually leads us through a standing practice for how to feel our power and our value. Let's go ahead and join mine and Chris's conversation now. I hope you enjoy it. Greetings, everyone. My friend, Dr. Chris Johnson, is back with me today to discuss a really, really important topic. Chris has a very compelling, very personal story to tell about learning to take or to be a stand for herself and to have this reflected in the way that she speaks. Chris, thank you so much for being here again today and for your willingness to share your experience. Uh, I'm really happy to be here, Leanne. Thank you so much. Certainly. Before we jump in, I wanted to make sure that 
you share some context. I want you to say, you know, who you are and mm-hmm. what you're up to in the world. And I think that that helps to shape the listening of, uh, for all of us. Cool. Well, so I'm Dr. Chris Johnson, and I'm delighted to be here today on this podcast for a few different reasons. Uh, one is I have a certain passion around the topic. So when Leanne brought it up, I was like, okay, this is great. And um, part of what you might want to know about me is that, and maybe this is true for you all as well, is that there are points in our lives when streams of who we have been come together uh, at just the right point. So I'm a clinical psychologist by training, was a social worker before that. I got into that because my family was kind of not really great at conflict. And so it was like, I'm going to figure this out. Um, I really always have been a fan of the outdoors and nature and the environment. And uh, what's happening for me today is that that, along with my clinical background, as well as my interest in how we language and how we, uh, our bodies show wisdom, those three areas have come together. Uh, Clinical, the focus on the environment, my early desire to be a linguist years ago, all of that is coming together in this current moment to support what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is really acting as an executive coach to a number of CEOs and other high-level leaders to tap their own voice and to step up and extend their wisdom and their leadership in the world. Beautiful. And I know you and I are also both really involved in the conscious capitalism movement. Mm -hmm. And we know each other actually, because we did some work many years ago through Strozzi Institute, which is focused on embodied leadership. And there's a a whole bigger conversation there. Yes. It's got its roots in Aikido. Mm -hmm. Many of the practices that we did at SI were through based on Aikido. And you happen to be a third degree black belt in Aikido. I understand. Is that true? That's true. And part of the story that I'll tell you uh, (laughs) comes full circle to, yes, I am a third degree black belt. Nobody would have dreamed it in my entire life that I would have taken up a martial art. And in fact, it's been a primary force in the work that I do and how I'm able to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. So between my 20 years of teaching mindfulness meditation, the clinical background and the deep dive into the practice of Aikido, Um, I'm right where I need to be. And again, taking a stand and embodying your value. uh, I'm really excited about the topic. I think it's essential because I think we need a new kind of leader, a new way of being a leader in terms of creating the future. I, yeah, I agree. That's a beautiful way to say that. So why don't we start with how you came to, I, I, my understanding is that you received some feedback about uh, speaking up your voice, taking a stand, and that led you down a path. It did. <laughs> it, it definitely... And I do remember part of this too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Um, we could say that I'm in quite a different shape 
than I used to be when you and I first met, Leanne. So in my life, those streams were all important to me, the ones I mentioned earlier, uh, being able to understand how people have conversations, a concern for the earth and taking care of the people on it, and actually how we talk to each other. Hmm. What I didn't appreciate early in my life or in my early career was the importance of the body and the wisdom that lives inside of us. So fast forward, I had wanted to shift from my clinical practice to a coaching practice. And um, because so much of my clinical work had been trauma related, which is um, needed and necessary. And the idea of post-traumatic growth, which is recovering from trauma, and how uh, so many of the business people I would see in my clinical office, they were leading, but their early trauma was affecting their leadership. Mm -hmm. So that's part of what piqued my interest in working with folks in business more. So there was that. And um, around about the time I wanted to make that shift, I had gone through a divorce that was very painful. And I ended up deciding to uh, sign up for a coaching certification, which I did at New Ventures West, which was very useful because the emphasis there included a whole uh, emphasis on working through the body. So there was that. And in the year-long program, we got to work with coaches ourselves and receive some feedback about how we were doing. And it was in that context that the business coach that was assigned to me, she's a great teacher herself, a Zen teacher, um, she sat down with me to create a developmental plan. So we had taken some assessments and that sort of thing. And um, she looked at me straight across the table. She didn't point her finger, but she might as well have. <laughs> um, and she said, Chris, Chris, you're really smart. You've got a lot to offer. You'll be great. But until you develop some fierceness in you, you are not going to be able to fulfill on what's most important to you. And by that time, what's most important to me was really supporting and developing leaders to be their very best. Hmm. And it really stung. I didn't like hearing it, but I couldn't disagree with her at all. Uh, she just said, you're too nice. And as a result, Chris, what I'd really like you to do is to go home and engage, take up a martial art, at least go to some classes. And by the way, I have an idea based on your values of which martial art would be the most effective for you, not karate or judo, none of that. What would be most effective for you? Not even Tai Chi, which is kind of slow movement. Cause I kind of move a little at a clip, right? Um, she's like, I think you need to take up Aikido. It's the highest martial art as in your um, it's the art of peace. Hmm. And because you care about compassion, inclusivity, uh, making sure everyone's voice is in the mix. If you really want to do that, you need to have a body in the shape that can do that. And I wasn't entirely sure what she meant. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what does that mean to have a body that's in the shape that can do those things? Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was yet to discern, right? And she answered it a little. She said, you need to be able to take a stand extend your voice 
be pointedly focused on what you offer and the vision that you have in order to impact the people that you say you want to impact. And again, I still wasn't quite sure. I was later to learn through additional study at Strozzi Institute. uh, I was later to learn at Strozzi Institute and also on the Aikido mat exactly what that meant. So if we go back just for a moment, I did come home. I did take, I found uh, an, an Aikido instructor who is female. She's tiny little thing, about five mm-hmm. foot two. So if you remember when Harry met Sally and uh, the waitress said, I'll have what she's having, <laughs> that is the kind of impact that watching uh, my sensei on the mat had. Small woman throwing like as if effortlessly these very large men across the mat. And I was fairly quickly uh, mesmerized by the entire process. And so I, I, I do really want to sure. stop right here because what you're saying is important mm-hmm. around presence. Yes. And so just by watching her, Mm-hmm. And I will back up. My suspicion is, and I feel this way with, with people who have a strong presence, it's not because she was throwing large men around on the mat. My guess is that she probably embodied this large presence even when she wasn't on the mat. Oh, and that's that definitely we, true. Yeah. And we say, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you're doing, but I want to do that. I want to, I want to show up that way with that kind of um, command, uh, Richard Strozzi Heckler would say comportment, you know, being able to comport ourselves in a certain way that uh, it it garners attention and it's very compelling and attractive, not in a way uh, that's lustful or anything, but it's attractive in the sense of that people want to follow you. Like, I don't don't know what that person's up to, Mm -hmm. but I want to be with them. Yes. And what probably put a finer point on that is that our sensei was female and only 5'2". And so she did and does have a certain command of the space, a certain stand of in her own value and what she offers. And the fact that large men were rushing at her and she could simply turn and they would fall, (laughs) said something about her command of the space and the energy that it took to move and coordinate with other people. Mm. And Aikido, for those who may not have ever watched it, if you were to pull up a YouTube on Aikido, it looks effortless, like a dance, and almost like it's not real, but in fact, it's quite real. Um, And yeah, I definitely wanted some of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, just backing up a minute here too, you know, we're, we're going to talk about practices because I think it's really important to share the practices that work. And I would say that starting an Aikido practice is a, a, a macro practice. You know, it's a big commitment that yes. most of us are not going to make. Most people are not going to engage in that. But mm-hmm. I do think that there are some practices that we can engage in on a micro level, on a daily level that really help. And before we go into those, I also want to call out 
that you started with what was important to you. Yes. So whether it's, you know, we could say our stand is what we're committed to. Uh, Some people might call it a vision. We might even say it's a mission, like what we think that we're on this earth to do. Mm -hmm. And that if we're not able to take action and, Mm -hmm. and move that forward, then, you know, we quote, you know, die with that light in us without fulfilling on that. Mm -hmm. So knowing your stand is the first thing and like continually being clear about that. So what's important to me? Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And then what, what after that? So you engaged, would you say after you clarified your stand, did you engage in those practices? So you found Aikido. What else was important during that time in, in developing your voice? It's a great question. And um, what I want to put a fine point on, especially relative to my voice, and of course, this wouldn't be true for everyone like my situation, but I mentioned earlier that I'd gone through a divorce. And anybody who's had a breakup that didn't go well or been divorced likely knows that it calls into question what we believe and what we care about, the decisions that we've made. So I was a little bit raw when I was in the coaching program. And that was actually good Mm -hmm. because it helped me to get a lot more clear about uh, what I wanted to do, the impact I might want to have. And when Pam, the coach, gave me the feedback, she heard me give voice to, I want to extend um, compassion. I want people to have, uh, to feel welcome and included. I want business leaders to be able to make their greatest impact because I definitely believe that business is a key way to do that. So I go back there just to say, it's really important if you haven't had an experience like a divorce or a difficult time, that you are able to take the time to reflect on, to pause and really go inside to say, what are my most important values? And perhaps ask a question like this. Fast forward, I'm either quite old or I've just received a very uh, compromising health diagnosis And I'm looking back at my life and what is it I wish I would have done, Mm. right? And so those kinds of questions can orient us to what's the most important thing. And Pam's feedback to me, while I didn't want to hear it, her mandate, Chris, you need to have some fierceness in you, made all the difference, even though I didn't like it. And so we often don't like that kind of feedback, Mm -hmm. but it's often the most useful. So- Yes, I did find an Aikido dojo. Yes, I did sign up for class. And yes, for me, it got under my skin and I really wanted to practice. And I tend to agree that most people aren't going to do that level of macro practice. However, what it did for me is it uh, helped me explore what I really valued at an even deeper level. Mm. And some people may choose to do that because... Um, I was starting to, and this was also, then I started uh, training at Strozzi Institute. And the emphasis there is, as you mentioned, on embodied leadership. 
and how our lives are shaped literally all the way the cells, the tissues, the way we show up, comport ourselves or mm-hmm. hold ourselves, our history shows up in our whole body. Um, and once you start seeing that in yourself and in other people, it's like you can't unring that bell. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what kept me going. Um, but relative to the practices, there are some very core practices that would be useful to folks, even if they've never been on an Aikido mat. Okay. Before we go into those practices, there were some things that you said that I, I think are worth um, pulling out. Okay. So for you, you had just come off this uh, really challenging period of time in your life, which was the divorce. And it strikes me that here we are at the end of 2020 and people, many of us can say that we have experienced something akin to a divorce. Yes. We've lost our business. We've lost a career. We're in limbo. Everything changed, you know? So I think that this, uh, from a, from the standpoint of being, and you use the word raw, Mm -hmm. And which, and you said, which was good because it puts you in a particular mindset to hear the feedback, which I also will link to, you know, can we be open and vulnerable because you also put yourself in a position to hear the feedback. So when you received the feedback from Pam, it had some meaning for you. You didn't stiff arm it. You didn't push it away and just power through whatever it was that you were feeling. And so I think that those are also really important characteristics. So having a stand, you know, knowing what's important to you um, and being able to be open and vulnerable to feedback and knowing that that's what it's going to take and that you had someone uh, that you trusted to give you that feedback And I'll even go a step further to say that there was a structure in place. So you all were meeting regularly. And then as you joined your Aikido Dojo and then Strozzi Institute, you also put yourself in situations to continue. I mean, you really turned the heat up on yourself during that time. And you said, this is so important to me that I'm going to um, address this at a lot of different levels from, from many different perspectives. And so I think that the earnest way that you engaged in that was also really important. It's not, you can't just decide and then not do anything. Correct. And so when we're faced with the situation that I was faced with, or as you mentioned here in 2020, when loss is kind of the the theme of the year, everything is up for grabs. It's all different. We can either close in, as you mentioned, and kind of go back to the way we can hunker down mm-hmm. um, and hold on. That requires a certain kind of energy, which is why I think a lot of us are tired and fatigued. Mm. Or we can choose to learn a very simple skill and practice of centering. And by that, we mean centering in the body, so a relaxed but alert state centering in what we care about, those values, Mm -hmm. and then centering in something bigger than us, um, even if we don't know what that is. And lastly, centering in an action that we can then take. And once we can learn that simple 
practice. Of course, you have to practice it. That's why we call it a practice. It's not just right? an idea, right? No, it's not just an idea. But pretty soon, that practice starts to reshape us. So think like Play-Doh, Silly Putty. You can, you can kind of reshape a little bit. And it doesn't take a lot. I often mention to the folks I work with, you know, think about geometry. If you move the intersection of a line just a degree, the trajectory of that is huge. So what matters is that we're intentional, it's based on what we care about, and that we're consistently in deliberate practice. That's where we get the bang for the buck to make the real difference that you or I or any of your listeners want to make. Mm -hmm. And I want to contrast too, Chris, what you were saying about uh, the hunkered down shape. Yeah. You know, and if we can all imagine hunkering down, it's typically, you know, our head is down, our eyes are narrowed, you know, we're probably hunched over, you know, we're really in a very protective uh, kind of duck and cover stance. Yes. And then I can contrast that with owning the mat that you spoke about your Aikido teacher, that she would just, the sensei would walk onto the mat and she would see space and she would own that space around her. And that shape is very different and it is centered. You know, we think about that six o'clock line. We think a lot of width, uh, you know, shoulders broad, breath low, mm-hmm. eyes soft, uh, seeing our peripheral vision. So we're, we're seeing much more and we can engage in much more um, with that shape. And we're a lot more, again, attractive ability to able to coordinate and collaborate with other people when we're in that larger space. We can. And just to be totally transparent about the whole thing, it can be bloody scary. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I just want to say that because anytime there's a loss, you know, we get irritable and pissed off. We can't believe it. We uh, aren't sure what to do. We're maybe very sad or unsettled. Um, And then finally, after a while, we'll come to terms with, oh, this is the reality I now have to deal with. That upsets our nervous system. That's how we're designed to to have Mm -hmm. that. And then we're also given the God-given ability to think clearly and create new opportunities and outcomes once we're settled in an aligned sort of way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, when I started to uh, practice Aikido, I'll just say a little bit about this. You know, one of the things that they do is we don't have competitions like they have in karate and other martial arts, we have demonstrations. And the demonstrations allow us to uh, show what we've learned in the past. Hmm. But part of the demonstration is that you go out onto the mat. And when you're practicing uh, with folks, maybe there's somebody at your same level, and you go out together. But very often, in my experience, I was the only one on the mat, and there were, you know, a bunch of people in the room. So to be able to stand and have all eyes on you and know that that this is the space you're going to operate in, we have to be able to tolerate that kind of scrutiny. Some of us are more adept at that than others. It took me a while to get used to that. Um, I feel my body going into, like, even as you say that, I remember mm-hmm. stepping onto the mat at Strozzi Institute, being the only one in the center. And 
my body just going into fight, flight, freeze. It seems like it was a combination of all of those. And as you were speaking, that got activated in me again. Uh-huh. So you're feeling it. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah. feeling it. And I um, appreciate the word tolerate. Sometimes that has a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but I think our ability to tolerate that discomfort and stand yeah. there anyway and learn to settle ourselves is super, super important. And bringing it back to the owning our value and speaking our value, it's basically the same thing that happens when we're in a meeting and we have something to say, but we don't, mm-hmm. or we're in conflict and we decide to avoid it instead or we want to promote ourselves. We want to talk about our accomplishments and why we deserve a raise or why we should get this promotion. Mm -hmm. Our body, our nervous system just starts firing all of those things just like that. And so that ability to, whether it's a meditation practice or centering practice, but over and over again, practicing that uh, because you can't get good at it unless you practice it. That's right. You can't get good at it unless you practice. I like to say it's tolerating the discomfort at the edges Mm. because it's at the edges that literally our neurobiology gets rewired. So hanging out there in the discomfort, not forever, right? But for at least a little bit longer, every time we do it, we're growing new pathways that allow us to expand our capacity, which mm-hmm. is really what we're what we're speaking to here. So, yeah, and those practices are really important. Yes. So mm-hmm. we've got a centering practice or a meditation practice. I want to share a practice that I did with a client of mine mm-hmm. a few years ago, but there's been uh, various versions of it. So I had a client; she wanted a position of an executive director of a nonprofit, and she had a really hard time talking about her accomplishments. In fact, it was so hard for her. She couldn't even think of her accomplishments and she didn't recognize the things that she had accomplished as achievements. Mm -hmm. So she was all out of whack and she was, it was going to be hard for her to get this dream job if she couldn't talk about how she would be able to fulfill that position So she had a practice of uh, speaking with her sister every weekend, and her sister had some of the same issues Mm -hmm. with self-promotion. And so I asked them to engage in a practice of uh, spending a little bit of time on the phone with each other every week, talking about their accomplishments. Uh, And what that served to do is build an ability to tolerate, as you were saying, the discomfort of talking about the value that she brought. The other thing that it did actually was that it, it kept her eyes open all week long. She knew that she was going to have to report out to her sister on Sunday, her accomplishments. And so all week long, she was making a list of the even the tiniest things. And so if we don't see the value that we bring, having some kind of practice uh, that's a regular practice where we're speaking about it does both of those things. So I, I just wanted to, and, and it was really a, a positive experience for both she and her sister to do that together. And it was important that they trusted each other, all of those things. So there's some components of that that are important, but that was a really positive practice. 
Yes. And, and, um, you know, to have somebody to be accountable to, to that supports you mm-hmm. in your accomplishments. I'm not convinced that it's only women. I think I've worked with men who sometimes struggle with self-promotion or owning their value. What I can say is that a large number, large percentage of women, even professional, high-level corporate position women struggle with this notion of self-promotion and confidence. And it's tricky in our larger culture. Um, but to go back to the body is, um, is to share another little bit of a story. So when we were working together at SI, uh, one of my old stories that showed up in my particular shape and my ability or inability to take action was that I had labeled myself a reluctant leader that I was often from the time I was in junior high school all the way through, I'd get pulled into take on leadership roles and yet never fully owned them. Hmm. And that was because I didn't know if I knew enough. I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I didn't want anybody else to feel bad if I happened to do something really well. And all of that was a story that I told myself. It was supported in the area and the time that I grew up uh, on the one hand, and then it took residence in my body. And so there was a way that I was very narrow and small. My energy was very contained, which is what Pam saw Mm. in in my ability. So she's like, you have these great ideas, but you're never going to be able to bring them to life. So she had me also in... uh, not only seeking out Aikido, but uh, creating a partnership with someone else to have regular conversations, not just her, on what it is that I could do to move forward. A little different than your practice, but Mm -hmm. similar, right? In the idea of being able to speak what I really cared about. Now today, fast forward, nobody would say, I don't have a voice or a seat at the table or any of that, but that took the intentionality Um, declaring that this is what I wanted and being able to own that this is what I want and to move toward it. And again, to have a different body, Mm -hmm, a different mm -hmm. way of showing up. So Chris, I know that you are also a big fan of standing practices. And so um, I wonder if you would talk about uh, a good standing practice for speaking your value before we wrap things up here. Yes. Well, there's a couple and one is very simple. And because it is so simple, uh, it would be easy to dismiss. But if folks are really serious, they ought not to dismiss this practice. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, So actually, I'm going to stand up while I do this. Okay. Um, I have one of those groovy standy desks and I'm going to stand up. And um, what I would say is, and this is adapted from Strozzi with a little bit of the work of Wendy Palmer and my own Aikido practice at hand. And that would be to simply stand feet shoulder width apart. And initially what you could do would be to get into your habitual stance, like what you do when you are nervous, unsettled, downright scared, maybe even hunkered down, and literally let your body take that shape, as you mentioned before. 
and then notice what that feels like. Like right now I can feel across my back, there's a tightness. I'm off balance because I'm leaning in one direction and my hands are very tight. There's a lot of tension in them. So you could notice what's true for you. And then with a breath and intention, simply bringing oneself to full height putting attention on the out-breath in the feet. So you're really feeling, oh yeah, there's ground under there. And then wiggling just enough to feel all the way up and down the spine that, oh, okay, I'm fully standing here. And my muscles are starting to relax along this dimension of length, which we associate with dignity. Hmm. And then one more breath. And this time, notice if you can feel yourself from side to side. And then front to back. So you're wobbling on purpose, but what you're listening for and feeling for is that sweet spot right at the center where there's this balance. And I like to say on the exhalation, you're filling yourself out as if you're a life-size balloon, you're letting the energy of the breath fill you out. And then this next breath in, putting your attention in your back. Most of us don't go here, which is why mm -hmm. we forget what we're good at or what mm. we care about. But putting your attention like, oh, I have a backside and it's just fine as it is, ladies, just saying. And uh, feeling the backside of the heart, and the head. And if you're not sure you can feel it, this is where you bring in the faculty of imagination. Like if I could feel that back there. And then another breath and just move all of it through to the front side of your body. So you're feeling your face mm. and heart space. And so the back is all the stuff that we bring to the table today, this moment. And the uh, front side of us is the future that we're looking out to. And then right here, taking one last breath and releasing any kind of tightness or holding into the space all around us. Noticing what you're holding and choosing to let it go. And in this space, ask yourself the question and then listen to the answer. What do I care about? That took me longer to walk you through than it would take you to do. Mm. But if you were to do a practice like this, that could take 10 or 20 seconds because you're really committing to feeling what's going on. You do that every day, a few times a day. I do it very many times a day. Mm -hmm. And it helps to shape and sharpen intention and the clarity with which we know our purpose and why we're here. Hmm. I just want to feed back to you, Chris, what I'm noticing different uh, about your face. Of course, I can't mm -hmm. see your full body from here. Uh -huh. But uh, when you were in your contracted that contracted mm -hmm. space. What mm -hmm. I've noticed mostly about your face was that you were, you know, looking down 
your face wasn't contracted, but there was definitely maybe a sternness. It mm-hmm. looked like you were thinking really hard. Mm-hmm. And then as you were moving through this exercise, I could see your face relax, your eyes relax, your mouth relax. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we see these things, I think, in other people and in ourselves, but, and we don't recognize that that's what we're seeing. You know, so it's really good to pay attention to our yeah. bodies resonate, yes. whether, we're, uh, we're, whether we're aware of it or not, but we can become much more aware of our own way of being, our own shaping and the shaping of the people um, that we're with. Absolutely. The thing that I would add when we're really talking about our declaration, Chris, is, is asking yourself what's important to me. Mm-hmm. And then we could do the same exercise that you've just done here and talk about our value. Yes. Here are my accomplishments. Here's the value I bring to the organization. Here's, here's my opinion. Here's my idea. Here's a request that I want to make of you that I'm really um, scared about or frightened of. Mm-hmm. And so doing this practice and mm-hmm. then pairing it with any of those things, I think also helps us get that, that feeling in our body so yes. that when it comes time for it, it's like, oh, I know how this feels. I know, I, I know what I need to do here. Yes, and and I would just say one thing, and this goes to your client and her sister practicing. Mm-hmm. This goes to this practice here. Is what you can do is in your office, move the chairs aside so there's a bit of a space that's open, or maybe you have a big space. You could do it outside these days. And the notion is. Um, is that it's about practice. So just imagining ourselves doing it can help. Visualizing Mm. is very powerful, Mm -hmm. but actually creating the space in the office and standing here and getting contracted in whatever makes you nervous or small or however it is for you. Like you saw it on my face. I get Mm -hmm. a very kind of stern edge. People used to think I was pissed off a lot when in fact I wasn't, I was, I said I was concentrating, but I was very small in the process. And then taking a few steps in, and recentering yourself. And this is one of the key lessons I've learned from Aikido is that the mat that we're on, whether that's at a dojo or it's in the clear space in your office, that's representative of your world, of who you want to influence, Mm -hmm. how you want to make a difference. So starting out contracted and really feeling it, it's not just an idea. And then walking in and standing and taking 20 seconds or so, and then to verbally speak it out loud, this is what I care about, these are my values, this is what I'm committed to doing. Um, That's the practice. And you'll feel goofy doing it the first few times. Oh, I don't need to do this. Yeah, you do. You really want to make a difference. You got to do it. Yep. Um, mm -hmm, You got to put the reps in. You've got to put the reps in. Yes. There's one other thing that I want to say. We've talked about a dojo a few times. And I love that that term from my memory is the place of learning. Yes. And so we can declare any space, a dojo, our house, our office, the conference room, the zoom call that we're facilitating every space is a dojo. Yes. That's right. And In a dojo, it's not just a place of learning. It is that. But think about this too. This is for everybody. 
you know, when kids are learning, they fall down, they run into trees, they run into other kids, they mess up, they keep trying. Somehow along the way, we get very old and it's like, once we learn it, we think we got it. And that's absolutely not true. So it's a place, a dojo is a place of learning. It's also a place of making mistakes Mm -hmm. and trying stuff out and feeling what it's like and giving ourselves permission to be a beginner in such a way that we don't have to have it all figured out yet. In fact, maybe we never will, but we're just going to keep moving toward what we care about. And I think again, about 2020, uh, and I don't want to be crass and lighthearted about this because I know it's been a a hard year. And what about this year has been a dojo? It's a great question. You know, what about 2020 has, how can I make it a dojo? How can I make this a, a place or a year of learning um, and s- taking it seriously? Yes. Chris, um, this has been delightful. I do not use that word lightly. It's, uh, it's, it's a word that has a lot of meaning for me these days. I really appreciate you bringing your story and your years of practice to the call today and sharing that with all of us. We've uh, talked around a lot of different concepts and things. I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes so people can uh, link to that. Also to your website, you do a lot of courses. So I'll make sure that we're linking to that. And by the way, do you have anything coming up um, in December or January that you want to talk about? Ah, well, Thank you for asking. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, I'm doing a workshop, uh, a Zoom workshop in December. You could look at it online. It's about your one word. And it's a reorientation to addressing next year. Mm-hmm. And how do we want to move into 2021? I do have, I just signed with a publisher and I'll be getting a book out called The Leadership Pause here in 2021. I have a course that'll go live uh, March 1st. Okay. Uh, and it's about embodied leadership. So okay. love to, to have All right. Work. I always have a word of the year. And so I mm-hmm. think that could be really helpful. So yeah. Word of the year is all about, it helps us orient. I know it does. Uh, it yeah. does. It, it is, uh, it is our own. It's a mini declaration, I think. It is. Yes, for sure. Chris, so Leanne, thank you. I just want to really you. say, I appreciate this. And uh, I hope that you have as great a week as I'm going to have. Okay, Thanks. good. All right. <laughs> take care. Go, go okay. change the world. Absolutely. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews, and shares are also really appreciated. You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening and remember, elevate your part of the world.